Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. a safe social distance from Washington, D.C. Uh, welcome to, well, the new Inside Scoop, as it were. We've got a new setup here in COVID times where the sound quality should be a lot better for you. I hope it is. And even better, you can now call in. You used to be able to call in. Remember those days? Remember those days when I used to be in studio? Well, I am at home, a safe social distance from Washington, D.C., but you can call in. So uh, please feel free to pick up the phone uh, as I talk this hour at 888-488-MARK, 888-488-6275, again, 888-488-MARK. If you've been watching the, have you been watching the Republican National Convention? Mm, I didn't think so. Uh, Actually, its viewership is way down. The Democratic National Convention was down too from normal conventions, but this one was a lot lower than that. I think it's just an infomercial for the people on Fox News. I did watch some of it. I'm a little behind. We're in the middle of a special session in Virginia, so I hope people don't mind me doing my other job, serving as a Virginia state legislator. But I did watch some of it. I heard, for example, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle. I don't know if my producer has her, her snippets ready yet. Not quite yet. Well, we'll play her when we, when we uh, get her ready. Um, she was, shall we say, quite loud. So you might want to turn your speaker down when I announce her next time. Um, what we heard was, well, in a word, gaslighting. You know what gaslighting is? You know what it comes from? I didn't know, so I looked it up. It comes from a movie from the 1940s, late 40s, maybe early 50s, old Hollywood movie, uh, where this man is mistreating a woman um, and basically telling her a bunch of lies And she knows they're not true, but he keeps feeding to her this alternative universe until she starts to wonder if she's gone crazy, if the things that she knows are true, maybe aren't true. And the things he says that aren't true, maybe are true. Well, gaslighting is not easy when it's just one person. You'd think it'd be even harder when it was an entire nation. When you think about it, at least 100 million Americans today are gaslighted. They believe in an alternative universe. You might as well tell them the earth is flat because if Donald Trump says it, it's so. And in this dystopian universe, um, by the way, I just got a Facebook post today from someone who said the Democrats were causing the riots. And I'm like, what? Not seeming to understand why black people in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and good, fair-minded white people and people of all races were so upset by yet another unarmed black man being gunned down in the back, this time while his children, aged three, five, and eight, were watching in the car. Yes, there is rage out there, and the rage is real. And while I certainly would never, ever advocate violence. 
I understand it. I understand why buildings are burning. I understand why Kenosha residents are angry. Why shouldn't they be? How many times have you been stopped for driving while your race? Every black American I know has been stopped dozens of times. I got to tell you, I've never been stopped for a broken taillight. Never been stopped for a faulty registration. Not once. I have been stopped for speeding. But in the police officer's defense, I was speeding. Yeah, and maybe uh, once or twice for failing to stop at a complete, make a complete stop at a stop sign, which annoyed me, but was perfectly reasonable. Yeah, that's not what ha that's not what's happening to Black America, and if you don't realize that, maybe you need to talk to some of your Black friends. If you don't have any Black friends, well, maybe you should try to have some. Look, we live in two separate worlds. They're Black and they're white and they're unequal. And it's amazing to me that our, there are still some white people that just don't get that. They think that racism is about some personal distaste. Now, are there white people that have personal distaste for black people? There sure are. It actually often goes a lot further. But you don't have to wear a Klansman's hood and robe to recognize that our society is systemically unfair. And it's not just black people. Our, our system is unfair to it. It's unfair to women. It's particularly unfair to poor people. It's unfair to immigrants, particularly Latino, Latinx immigrants. It's unfair to gay people, but even more unfair to transgender people. There's a lot of unfairness to go around. It's unfair to people with disabilities. In fact, if you ask me what the single highlight was of the Democratic National Convention, yeah, Joe Biden's speech was great. Michelle Obama's speech was great. But my favorite speech was given by a 13-year-old boy, a boy who stutters, and had the courage at age 13 to talk to tens of millions of Americans, a national audience, even though he knew he would stutter and did stutter in the middle of his short talk, and told us how Joe Biden used to stutter and actually helped him learn how to get around it. We had a whole discussion about stuttering. The stutterer, by the way, is not stupid. The stutterer may be smarter than most of us. The stutterer's brain works so fast that he or she is thinking quicker than their larynx, their voice box, their, their throat can form the words. You might recall Donald Trump making fun of people with disabilities. The thing is, everyone in America, virtually everyone, has got some hardship. It might be economic. It might be based on their religion. Maybe they're Muslim. It might be based on abuse in their family. It might be based on race. It might be based on sexual orientation or gender identity or disability. It might be that it's hard for a woman to get taken seriously in a lot of boardrooms or the intersection of all those things. But a compassionate man like Joe Biden gets that. Even though he's a straight white male, 
Christian, he's Catholic, as it happens. So, frankly, Catholics have faced discrimination in the past. Not so much today. There's still some. But Joe Biden was a stutterer. So he has compassion because he understands what it's like to be picked on for something that's not your choice. You don't choose to be a stutterer any more than you choose to be gay, any more than you choose to be your race or your gender. So it's amazing to me as I watch the Republican National Convention to hear the tin ear. There's a lot of loud screaming. We're going to get to Kimberly Guilfoyle's screaming, who, by the way, she's a piece of work, right? She used to date Gavin Newsom, the very liberal and most think quite good governor of California. Now she's dating Donald Trump Jr., which makes you think that her politics are not quite so well thought out. She likes to be with men who are powerful which is maybe not the most feminist anthem around. Look, the reason why Republicans are trying to say, we're not racist, we don't hate women. Look, here's some women that like Donald Trump. Look, we rounded up eight black people that are not ashamed to speak for Donald. It's because they know who the president is. They know who the party is. And to their credit, there are a lot of Republicans coming out of the closet saying loudly and clearly that although they are conservative, they cannot support Donald Trump. And, and I give them credit. We will continue to have liberal conservative debates. They will come back. But right now, it's an eight alarm fire. It's all hands on deck. It doesn't matter whether you're liberal or conservative. If you support American democracy, if you believe in our Constitution, if you believe that the right to vote is sacred, if you believe that elections are sacred, if you believe that it's not a good idea to have hundreds of thousands of Americans needlessly dead, that's another thing. It's like the Republicans didn't notice COVID. Here I am doing a broadcast from my home. You're probably listening from your home. If you're out and about, you're wearing a mask. And if you're like I am, you know many people already who've died of this deadly disease. Republicans live in an alternative universe. They're gaslighting people because, well, that's all they have. The question is, who believes it and why? And we'll get into those questions and also take your calls at 888-48-MARK right after this. Mark, 888-488-6275. I've done this show by myself for the last six months. I miss y'all. Feel free to call in and let me know what you thought of the two conventions. 
to me, it seemed that the Republicans were just living in an alternative universe where apparently um, all blacks are rioting and there's an abortionist on every corner and, um, oh, what else? The Biden is somehow corrupt. One of the funniest things was when, I forgot who it was, I think it was Pam Bondi. Remember, you know who Pam Bondi is? She's the, uh, I hope she's not current, uh, at least the former Attorney General of Florida. Pam Bondi's the one, by the way, who, when she had um, Paul Manafort, I think it was, dead to rights, it's, I have to admit, I get all the Trump cronies mixed up. It could be Paul Manafort, could be Mike Flynn, could be Roger Stone. They're all guilty of something or another, but I think it may have been Manafort. She had him dead to rights, and then Donald Trump gave a $25,000 donation to her campaign, and <gasps> she dismissed the case soon after. So we'll just call her Bribery Pam, just just a nickname. Um, so Bribery Pam uh, gets on at the convention and starts to complain about how Joe Biden treats his children that gives them unfair advantages the exact same day that all of Trump's children, with the exception of poor Barron, who um, I do not throw in with the others, he's a kid, but everyone else, uh, from, you know, I haven't seen Ivanka yet. That's his favorite. I guess that's for tonight. But uh, Don Jr. and um, Eric and even Tiffany. Remember Tiffany? Tiffany is from Donald Trump's second wife. You know, the one he, Marla Maples, the one he cheated with when he was with his first wife. She's the one who got cheated on when he was with Melania, who he cheated on with the porn star. You may need some diagrams here. He cheated on all of them while he was grabbing women by their private parts that I don't like to say on air because I'm not crass like the president of the United States. But the point is that even Melania was speaking. Uh, no, Melania spoke too, but even uh, Tiffany was speaking. And what was fascinating about Tiffany and Don Jr. and Eric is not a single one spoke about their father the way virtually everyone I know speaks about their father with love right think about your dad how do you talk about your dad hopefully for most of you and not everyone has a good dad but most of us think of our dads fondly as loving parents we might talk about throwing the ball around back or playing chess or giving some guidance with our job or telling us to cut the lawn i don't know whatever it is you know your dad i know mine most of us like our parents I didn't see that. I saw three children giving standard political speeches. I, I don't know, maybe they didn't write them. Attacking Biden and talking about, I don't know, Trump's economy and not mentioning the fact that we have the highest unemployment since the, the Great Depression. Of course not, but that's a political complaint. Here's my question. Do his children love him? I saw Melania's speech. It was long, but as Republican speeches go, it was not as bad as the others. She didn't scream. She actually, for the first time of anyone I've seen in three nights, the Republican National Convention expressed condolences for 180,000 dead Americans. I think that matters. Remember when we used to care when only 3,000 Americans died on 9-11? A mere 3,000 Americans, and we thought it was a big deal. Remember that? 
We're 60 times 9-11 now. But Melania at least recognized that Americans were in pain. Wow. I give her credit. She acted almost human. Guess that's a low bar. But what I didn't hear was anything about Donald, right? Remember how Joe Biden's grandkids used to talk about the fact that he would try to steal some ice cream when their grandma, Jill, wasn't looking because she's all into fitness and running and getting up at 5 a.m. and running and he'd try to sneak some ice cream in. Yeah, that sounded like my family. Not the specifics. I mean, my mom's not a runner. In fact, for me, it's, it's, you know, might be the opposite. My, my dad does never exercise. But, but that's not the point. It's a family. It's love. It's the way families work, right? We kid each other gently. We love each other. There's no question there's lots of love in the Biden family. Did you hear any of it in the Trump family? I mean, this is so weird because this is beyond politics, right? I, I can get into all the... I, yeah, you know, it would take me hours to go into all the lies they said in the Republican National Convention on everything from the economy. I think they said that Biden wanted to defund the police, which is, of course, ridiculous since he specifically said no on that. I think they accused him of, I don't know, um, they blamed him for some university doing, who knows what. It's ridiculous. Again, Pam Bondi seemed to think that Biden's kids were corrupt, um, even though Eric... Trump just pled the fifth on an investigation that's likely to lead to his indictment along with John Don Jr. But that's not my point. My point is, did you notice there was no love in the Trump family? Think about your mom. Think about your dad. Think about your kids. Think about your wife or husband, your brothers, your sister. How would you describe them? Most of us would describe them with love. And even if we have a difficult relationship with family members, we'd probably still find a way to throw a little love in there. We might joke about the difficulties we have with our father, mother, child, or sibling. But we do it with a smile. We do it with love. Apparently, you can't do that with Donald Trump. Apparently, he gets too upset. And I guess I understand that. You know, sometimes... When you make fun of a two-year-old, they get it and they laugh along with you at how silly they're being. And other times, for some two-year-olds, they get angry that you're mocking them. They get upset. They can't handle it. They throw a little tantrum. Well, Donald Trump is more like the less well-behaved two-year-olds. Now, to be fair, most four-year-olds get over this. Donald Trump clearly hasn't. But when you wonder about what makes this man tick, think about the fact that his own family can't express love for him. Now, don't feel sorry for him. I suspect they can't express love for him because, well, he made them that way. But I've never heard more inauthentic from any any child. I mean, I would never say that of Laura Bush or the, the Bush girls or certainly not the Obamas. Anyway, that was something that I noticed. I want to know what you noticed. 
888-48-MARK, 888-48-6275. What did you most notice about either convention? We'll find out when we get back. He's a Bible-quoting, Constitution-loving, flag-waving, red-blooded, liberal American. He's Mark Levine. like night and day to me, or better put, light and darkness. You know, um, I titled my show last week, Light and Darkness, and I did so before I heard Joe Biden take up that same theme. But it seems like it now, doesn't it? I mean, we have a group that respects science and one that does not. A group that Joe Biden reaching out to all Americans, including those that voted for Trump, and Donald Trump basically attacking quite virulently um, those who disagree, making clear that all our cities apparently are dystopian nightmares. And then I mean, trying to misuse the government in ways that's never been used for political reasons. The Hatch Act, by the way, is oh, it's probably... 90 years old right now. It's been around a long time, and it says that you can't use government to promote your political ends. So, for example, you can't use the White House to promote a political campaign. Trump doesn't care about the law. He violated that. We've never had a Secretary of State speak from a foreign country for a political campaign. In fact, usually Secretaries of State don't speak for political campaigns at all, much less from a foreign country paid for with taxpayer dollars the way Mike Pompeo did. Donald Trump used his powers of the presidency, both the pardon power and the power to welcome new citizens for a political convention. By the way, some of those immigrants had no idea that their taking the oath of citizenship would be used in such a political way. In fact, the immigration services are expressly making it hard for new Americans to become citizens because they don't want them to vote knowing that because they know that Donald Trump hates immigrants, well, they're going to vote against him. So I guess these five were the lucky people. We are in a dystopian nightmare, just not the one that Republicans are gaslighting us to believe. And I guess to me the best evidence of that nightmare is Kimberly Guilfoyle. To me, her speech typified all the bombastic emptiness and meanness that is today's Republican Party, or I really should call it the Trumpist Party because it really isn't about Republicans anymore. It's about Donald Trump. Let us play some of the highlights from Kimberly Guilfoyle. Ladies and gentlemen. Mark, we're going to play that in just a moment, actually, if you want to go to Alex first. <laughs> okay, we're getting that tape ready. That was a little scary, I know. Um, you might have turned your sound down. Let's go to uh, Alex from Alexandria. Alex is a constituent of mine in Alexandria. Uh, Alex, welcome to the Inside Scoop. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me? I hear you fine. You're the first person since I got the phones. I haven't had phones since pre-COVID. So congratulations on being my yeah, very I... first post-COVID caller. Well, um, all, all I can say is I, 
I noticed you talking earlier about uh, Trump uh, mocking those with disabilities, and I have to talk about how I felt about it when I first noticed in doing it back in 2016. The first thing I was reminded of when he did that on video was every single person that I've encountered in school that has uh, either, you know, made fun of me or has, uh, like, I, I felt like they used me. Like, I that's up for debate. But uh, well, uh, all, all I say I is that's it. what it reminded me of. That's what it reminded no, me of. And I asked myself, how could we be watched over by someone like that? It's just, it just isn't right. And Alex, that, that's all. That's what I have boys. to say about did, did you, Alex, did you see the young 13-year-old stutterer? I sure did. And my heart was truly touched by him. Uh, it was like, wow, this is our future. Because yeah, I, I, in a society... I, I, I cried when I saw it. I watched it twice more, and I teared up both times. Just his courage, his yeah. bravery to show his disability in front of the whole world and do so with a smile, recognizing that knowing that the people listening to him didn't care and actually loved him more, despite his disability, loved him for fighting through it rather than mocked him because of it. I just thought he was so brave, and um, uh, he's just my new hero. I'm, I was a big fan. Yeah, I say don't even use the word despite. He, disability is a strength. We have to send that message in the next four years. Yeah, well, it is, because if you can get over a disability, you know, what can stop you in life, right? Uh, in fact, the people who've had no disability, who've had no pain, who've had no trouble, um, maybe they have no heart. And I wonder about that when it comes to our president. Thanks for your call, Alex. And yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking in, in, in future shows. Appreciate your dialing in. All right. Oh, I, I appreciate have... you having me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, I don't know if we have Kimberly Guilfoyle now. Um, yes. You might want to turn down your mics. I don't know. Um, yes, let's just do. say she's a little, little loud. Do we have her yet? Yes, we do. Let's play her. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. <laughs> In President Trump's America, we light things up. We don't dim them down. We build things up. We don't burn them down. We kneel in prayer. And we stand for our flag. Or do you believe in American greatness? Believe in yourself, in President Trump, in individual and personal responsibility. They want to destroy this country and everything that we have fought for and hold dear. They want to steal your liberty, your freedom. They want to control what you see and think and believe so that they can control how you live. They want to enslave you to the weak, dependent, liberal, victim ideology to the point that you will not recognize this country or yourself. His promise was to put America first, and he has. America. It's all on the line. President Trump believes in you. He emancipates and lifts you up to live your American dream. 
You are capable. You are qualified. You are powerful. And you have the ability to choose your life and determine your destiny. Ladies and gentlemen, right, right, right. Yeah. leaders and fighters. Okay. All right. Kimberly, go away. Okay. All right. So they want to destroy America. Who, who, who are they? Is that me? Do I want to destroy America? Is that liberals? Nancy Pelosi? Joe Biden? Uncle Joe wants to destroy America? <laughs> I want to know who believes this, right? If she has a complaint about something, she could bring it up. Maybe she thinks affordable health care is a really bad idea. Maybe she thinks it's, you know, giving people health insurance is a terrible idea. There are lots of people that hated Obamacare. Okay. Maybe that's it, or um, maybe she doesn't like the, the great Obama economy. Maybe, maybe she feels that we should have the freedom to take masks off and infect each other. And that, yeah, we might kill hundreds of thousands more Americans, but their deaths don't matter as much as our ability to walk into crowded stadiums. I, I, I don't know. She didn't say. But um, it's fascinating to me. Do you think she believes a word she says? I mean, I mean, really, do you think Kimberly Guilfoyle actually believes what she says? The woman who used to date Gavin Newsom and now dates Don Jr. Maybe some of that over-the-top bombasticness is to hide the fact that there's just emptiness. I mean, people made fun of Howard Dean scream. But in Howard Dean's defense, he was surrounded by tens of thousands of people and it was hard to hear. So if he hadn't had a microphone right up to his face and, you know, on to Nevada and South Carolina, and rah, right? Remember how that was mocked? Actually, in a uh, group of people where it's hard to hear, that's not so unusual, but did Kimberly Guilfoyle know that she was speaking to an empty room? I mean, she has eyes, right? Maybe she wrote the speech expecting adoring fans and, I don't know, isn't able to change it? But she typifies people who are loud and not listening. She typifies this, it's us or them, and they're all evil. I'm not sure what she's so afraid of. I'm afraid of a lawless president who hates democracy, wants to postpone voting, wants to keep people from voting, and is corrupt. That's what I'm afraid of. What are you afraid of? 888-488-MARK, back after this. Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. You know what? I don't think anyone's watching the RNC, so there's no point in talking about it anymore. Let's talk about what really matters. Let's talk about Kenosha, Wisconsin. <sighs> Yet another unarmed black man shot in the back seven times as he was trying to get in his car. We don't know all the facts. It's been three days and Kenosha police can't give us all the facts. Um, you think they'd be trying really hard, but okay. Maybe, maybe 
Maybe Mr. Blake was trying to escape police. He hadn't done anything wrong. He had actually was calling in to help a domestic disturbance between two women. But you understand why he was trying to get away? You understand why lots of black people fear for their lives every time they encounter police and feel like they're going to get in more trouble if they stay than if they go? I'm not saying that's the correct way to deal with this. I know that, well, my parents told me, and frankly, most black parents tell their kids, you know, when you were confronted by an officer, you buckle down your anger and you try to treat them politely. And even if you're upset with them, you don't express it. Save that for the court hearing. But apparently Kenosha has a reputation. Apparently the Kenosha police stop black people all the time. And sometimes it just boils over. Here's what I found more troubling. More troubling than even the shooting of Jacob Blake. After it happened, and we wish him well. Apparently he's going to be a paraplegic, but it looks like he may well survive this. After it happened, the people of Kenosha started protesting. And the police did, of course, the wrong thing. Rather than joining with the protesters, talking with them, engaging with them, even though they're angry, sitting there and facing the anger, they treated them as the enemy. They treated their own people as the enemy. And so violence began. But one thing that you'll find interesting is that unarmed protesters were treated with tear gas and rubber bullets. They weren't allowed to express their First Amendment rights. But armed white guys going in to help patrol the situation, vigilantes, were welcomed by the police. One of them was a 70-year-old white boy, big Trump fan, went to some Trump rallies, put some Blue Lives Matter on which is a way of saying that police matter, which is fine because we should care about our police, but it's designed to say that black lives don't matter. Only the police matter. Black Americans can all be killed, I guess. But this kid with an AR-15, and I don't even know if that's legal in Wisconsin, came with his long gun to help the police this 17-year-old, this wannabe cop, I guess. I remember that down in Florida. Remember that case? Hey, Trayvon Martin, murdered by a wannabe cop. He came in with his gun and apparently just shot one of the protesters. And when he's on the ground and someone's trying to grab his gun from him, he shoots another one. Yeah, he'll be charged with first-degree premeditated murder. He actually has been charged. Um, he'll likely go to jail for a long time. He's a 17-year-old boy. Like the Washington sniper, who was a black 17-year-old boy, he was influenced by others to kill. 
in this case, this influencer, the head terrorist, the main guy that convinced him to go and shoot a bunch of black people was Donald Trump. Here's what's so interesting. This kid, after he shoots two people, apparently tried to surrender to police. He held up his gun. He admitted he shot two people. Maybe he felt pangs of remorse. The police waved him away, gave him water. They really didn't care about a white guy with an AR-15 out after curfew, even though he was just a kid. No, they cared about those protesters out after curfew exercising their First Amendment rights. I had an argument on Facebook today, my personal Facebook page, with someone who seemed to feel like Democrats are behind the rage of black people. No, no, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer aren't behind the screens with their marionette strings telling black people how to think and how to feel. You see, black people are people. They're human. They're American. They have their own thoughts. And most of them actually peacefully expressed their rage. But some took it too far. Sometimes when you push a person too hard, they react too far. Again, I don't know what the white 17-year-old kid was so angry about, but I do know what a number of protesters are angry about. They're tired of being mistreated. They're tired of being second-class citizens. They're tired of being told their lives don't matter. They're tired of being shot in the back by police. That doesn't mean all police are bad. Of course not. But many are. And there are whole departments, like apparently Kenosha's, that probably should all be fired and just start over with new police. Here in Virginia, where I am a state delegate, a state representative, we are working to change Virginia law. We have heard the national call. We don't want this happening in Virginia. It has happened in Richmond and some other places. Thankfully, not in any significant way in my hometown. But we're trying, we Democrats who just took over the majority of the legislature, we are trying to stop it. We're trying to put in place legislation to have civilian review boards, better training for police officers, use of force standards, duties to intervene if we see if cops go off the rails, duties to bring in mental health counselors and substance abuse counselors first. Because the best way to deal with mental health issues is a mental health counselor. The best way to do substance abuse issues is a substance abuse counselor. Not with police. Police don't even want to deal with these problems. And I introduced my own legislation, which I'm proud to say just passed a House committee on Tuesday. My bill, I call it the Good Apples Bill, because it reminds me of the good police officers out there requires police to report on the bad apples. And I know that's hard to do, right? I know that if you see your colleague doing something wrong, it's hard to turn them in. You know, I, I have friends that have done illegal drugs in front of me. I haven't turned them in, I admit that. Mainly, I guess, because I don't really believe in the drug laws, most of them. But when you're a police officer, 
you're held to a higher standard than you should be. Not to turn in your buddy doing something off duty, but when you see your partner on duty and they're breaking the law and they're biased, practicing racial profiling, maybe you know your partner, the guy in your squad car, regularly stops blacks, men, or stops Latino women, or goes after transgender people, or mistreats homeless, or mistreats people with autism. Whatever it is, you're his partner. You sit in the squad car with him, you know who he is, or she is, most of these are men, who he is day in or day out. Now, if my bill becomes law, you have to report them. And you can say to them when they say, hey, don't report me, say, I have to, it's the law. If I don't report you, I will be fired. And if you don't report a crime, this bill will put you in jail. There's a thin blue line out there and there's a lot of cops that protect each other and I get it, I get it. They're all fighting for the same cause. But good cops recognize that bad cops harm all police. You know, we talk about good apples and bad apples. If a bad apple goes to rot, then there are maggots in the apple that can spread to the other apples. If police truly recognize that their job is to protect and to serve the public and not to protect and serve each other, they will support this law. In fact, my local police chief in Alexandria, Virginia, does support this law. A lot of these ideas come right from his manual. Good police officers turn in bad ones. We have to work together as a society. If you want people to stop expressing rage, you've got to give them justice. With justice will come peace. And we're working on it. Are you? This is Mark Levine signing off.